Our second in a series we're doing on a slave nation. Nothing to do with all the current events, but it has to do with uh, how God's people cause themselves to be enslaved. Uh, very instructive. Last week we dealt with the mindset of slavery. I'm following through this week, and uh, we've got several in, in uh, preparation for these. I hope that you'll be a part of it. It's very important. You're going to be getting some very practical instruction to help you. Uh, so God doesn't want His people to live as slaves. And uh, so I hope you'll come and get some instruction that will help you along the way. It's, it's the Lord's Day. And uh, I'll be in the house of the Lord on the Lord's Day. Give the day to Him. It belongs to God. Romans chapter 16. And I'm going to read through this lightly, if you will, just hitting on a few things. And um, then I give you the title. I'm, I'm speaking on those the church owes. Those the church owes. You know, that's common talk. But, you know, I owe them something. Uh, somebody will say, I owe this or that to somebody. In other words, we feel a debt of gratitude is what I'm talking about with that. You know, this is someone that's, that we're grateful for what they put into our life and that sort of thing. We owe them something. And it's not the idea they've put you into servitude. It's the idea we realize uh, that we have... We have a gratitude. We have something, you know, these people have helped us along the way. And uh, Romans 16, a large part of this chapter, deals with those who, uh, those who the church owes, and, and the church back then did. And I'm going to give you some thoughts on it. He says in uh, verse 1, it says, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. So there's a lady in the church, which is a servant of the church, which was at Century. Now, you have to understand some biblically, uh, in the Bible, you do not find denominational structures. The hierarchy of denominations where you have a superintendent, district superintendent, overall and all that, that's, that's Roman Catholic in origin. That's not scriptural in origin with this. In the Bible, you have your, your congregations. You have your churches. The apostles in the early days, as the Bible was being given, exercised some authority over all these churches. But that was apostolic. Now that authority is in through the Word of God. Um, a pastor is actually the ruling elder and the bishop and the shepherd, under shepherd, uh, what we call a pastor, who serves a local church and is there to edify, to build, and, and to serve that church and to love them and, and, and to be a proper representative of the Lord in that church and to teach the Word of God and such. There are others, uh, elders that help in the, in the oversight thereof and that pastoral level here with Brother Carpenter and Brother... Tim work with us in that. And, and then we have other people who are teachers and have different areas within our church with the general oversight being over that particular pastor that's in that local congregation. Local congregations come together for fellowship with like-minded churches. The Bible shows that over and over again through the book of Acts and such, that pattern's there. Uh, not where we have a hierarchy saying all the churches will do this, all the churches will do that, but we'll get together, much like we do at our conference for different things, and we come together. I mentioned somebody from Fundamental Baptist Missions um, that they contacted me regarding uh, the Moroscos, that they were no longer on the mission field, but had taken a pastor back here in the States. However, FBMI is just a clearinghouse, a way for us to get monies to those people, to take care of their taxes, help them as they deal with uh, foreign countries and such. It does not have authority over the churches. Uh, it helps us in a coordinated way work together in order to 
to help the missionaries. And so this is what we believe about church structure. Here you have this lady, her name is Phoebe, and she was a servant of the church, which was in this town called Century. And so she is a servant. She, you say, what did she do in the church? It sounds like, well, Sister Phoebe was one of these who came in with a job they'd done, she could do it. And you have some of those. Football, they call me utility back. I can play almost any position. In the church, you call them blessed because you can put them almost anywhere. Someone gets sick and is out of the junior church, you can put them in there. Someone, someone all of a sudden calls in and their job called them in and you have an, a Sunday school, uh, adult Sunday school empty. You can put them in there. Uh, uh, something's going on, you need your table set up. They can go and do that. Uh, you, oh man, I need somebody to run pick somebody up who got left by bus. They can go do that. Um, comes time to eat, they can do that. Amen? And most of us can do that pretty good. But it's, um, that's, the kind of, that's the kind of thing the sister was. She was named in the Bible. Her name is recorded in the Bible. Why? Because the church there owed something to her. Doesn't even tell exactly what her jobs were, but here's what she did. She served the church and she just took care of it. I have names of different people come into my mind when I think about the sister mentioned here. I think of a lady named Martha Crosswhite, who was a, uh, a lady in the, in the first church of God where I got saved and uh, it's Martha, but she did everything. She taught Sunday school. She helped with the bus routes. She helped with the van routes. And Martha was, uh, she was in her 70s when we were teenagers, I think. She had to be. Let me see her son. Yeah. Uh, she'd probably been up there. I think she got in her 70s in stage. She was one of those people. She was, she was elderly when I met her 30 years later. She was still elderly. Um, but she, she did a little bit of everything. She got involved. If they were having to carry in, she had food there. If they were decorating, she brought something. And that was just Martha. That was her church. She loved serving it. And, and there she was. That's what she did. And she had a heart for it. Then verse 2, it says that you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints. In other words, um, and uh, be good to her. She's, the church owes her something. And that you assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of. For she hath been a succorer. That's someone who comes along and helps or, or, or lifts up of many and of myself also. And Paul said, you know what she did? She helped me along the way. Oh my goodness. I wonder how many missionaries coming through have been helped by uh, a, a, a sanctified sister opening her purse a little and helping them along the way. A uh, little money hid back away and they put it into helping the Lord's work in some way. That's the way this sister did. Then, verse 3, Greek, Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. They actually risked their own lives for Him have laid down their own necks, and to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. He said, when you come and start talking about Aquila and Priscilla, he said, every church that's Gentile, the non-Jewish churches, he said, every one of them has a debt of gratitude for these, this couple here. And we'll, we'll talk more about them in a moment. Then, verse 5, likewise greet the church that is in their house. They took their residence and opened it up for church to begin there. Salute my well-beloved Epineus, who is the firstfruits of Achaia. In other words, he's one of the first people to get saved in that region called Achaia under Christ. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. Here's another sister in the Lord who worked much. Salute Adronicus. And by the way, when you look at these names, if you know a little bit about names and such, you'll notice quite a few of them are, uh, are Greek uh, and they have or of a Gentile background. They're not all Jewish. You have quite a mix here. It's quite a quite a quite a, uh, a congregation of different folks from from a lot of background here, and uh, it says uh, salute Adronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. In other words, they uh, they suffered some persecution. 
who were of note among the apostles, and watch it, who also were in Christ before me. He says, they, they got saved before I did. Greet amply as my beloved in the Lord. He said, I'll tell you what, this is just someone who's very special to him, and everybody has people like that. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Statues, my beloved. Salute Apuleius, approved in Christ. I don't know what all this one did, but uh, they had proven themselves by their actions and their living. People said, you know what, that's a solid Christian fellow. You know, you don't have to be up on a platform. You don't have to stand before a class to make a big difference. And uh, I, I wish some people knew that they add much or detract much whether or not they're in the service of the Lord. So I said, well, I'm not doing much there. Uh, uh, the rest of the body notice when, part, notice when parts of the body is missing with it. And uh, I love that. And uh, he said, uh, then uh, verse, uh, verse 10, Salute Apuleius, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute, salute Herodian, my kinsman. Don't know how exactly, but he was. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus. Now, I think that's funny to me. Does anybody know who Narcissus is? He's, he was one of these Greek gods, right? And uh, he, 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 got, he got trapped by looking in a pool that reflected, and he was so taken at looking in himself that he got, he got drawn into that pool. Anybody know about that in Greek mythology? I learned, unfortunately, I learned Greek mythology before I learned the Bible. Um, but the, oh, Narcissus, man, he was telling, he, and so you get somebody, they can't pass a mirror without preening in front of it. They're a bit of a narcissist. It's actually, there's a psychological term for someone who does have a serious problem, and they're called a narcissist. It's a very bad way. In other words, they'll hurt everybody around them because the world revolves around them and everything is just centered in on them. And that's a very, very bad tendency. And so I get a kick out of this guy's name being in here. You know, the Lord can even get a hold of Narcissus and make something out of it. And uh, so here he is. And uh, uh, it says, Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, and, uh, which are in the Lord. That makes all the difference, doesn't it? Salute Trophina and Tryphosa. I like those two together. Uh, do you know in the Old Testament there are brothers named Buzz and Us? I like those two. Um, I like it. For some reason, I like Tryphena and Tryphosa. Who labor in the Lord. Don't know what all they did, but they labored. Common hard work. They got something done. <laughs> uh, old preacher used to tell me, he says, you know, you, you announce a prayer meeting, you can hardly get anybody to come. You announce a work day, you can get a few people to come. He said, you announce you're, you're cooking hot dogs, everybody shows up. Well, these folks, they labored in the Lord. Verse 13, salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord and his mother and mine. Sounds to me like they were kinfolk to me. Salute Asyncritus, Phlegion, Hermas, Perobius, a lot of these Greek names, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Well, here you got another whole group. Say, so what did all these people do? That's just the thing about it. We don't know, do they? But they are remembered and the Lord saw fit to make sure they were remembered in the Bible that there's a bunch of people. Many of these you can't find anywhere else in the Scripture except here. Some of them you can, but most of them you can't. You don't find any detail about what they did. But you know what God's trying to teach us through all that? He's trying to teach us uh, that you don't have to have a title, you don't have to have a big thing, but God values. God values those who are helpful to His people. God values those who value His church and want to be a help to it in some way or another. And so it has this here. Um, salute one another with a holy kiss. Uh, single man's favorite verse in the Bible right there. Amen. The churches of Christ salute you. 
Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, and avoid them. In other words, you got a whole list of people who've done good and helped churches, and then you got some people who are working on the other end of things, and he says the best thing to do is just avoid them and, and do what's right. But I want to draw your attention to the folks over here, and like I said this morning, I want to talk about those the church owes. You know, I go through every now and then remember. Um, do you know last night when we had the uh, Christmas party, there were some tables we used. I'm not sure which ones. I think I know which ones because they're the, the oldest. They're, they're some, our tables are all made by lifetime tables, but uh, they've changed in their lifetime. They're, they're just slightly different height and different generations than when we bought them. But there are some tables that we use today that we, we use in our conference and such that were purchased by people who've been gone from this church for over 20 years. You wouldn't know it by looking at it, but the, the chairs in this auditorium have been bought in three different stages. There's as much as 12 years difference between the age of some of these chairs. You can't really tell by looking, although you can tell when you sit on them sometimes. Some of them are a little more flat than the others. Don't hop on the seat, Lauren. That's what kills them. Right? They... But... You wouldn't know, but there are people who have gone on to be with the Lord, some people who have gone on to other church, other people who are not, no longer in church, sad to say, who at some point purchased some of the chairs you are sitting on this morning. There are people who helped building this very building in which we stand today. There are people who taught Sunday school class, drove buses, were involved with things, and helped in one way or another. And I can tell you this, we can thank God we have things today that even sometimes when people's own lives have not been what we would love to have seen and been, just continue on and be prosperous for the Lord, which is what we'd love to see. Because sin is so destructive, it just wrecks people. But even people who have not continued on that way, we're the beneficiaries of those who have gone before us. How much more those who stay and continue on have a good testimony up until they get to go see the Lord. Now, I don't know about you. I'd like to be in that category. I'd like to just stay faithful to the Lord. If something were to happen to me where I physically could not pastor this church, I would want to still remain a faithful Christian man. That's my heart. I would like to. I'm not going to stand before you and make a brag of what I will do or won't do. I think it's a fool that does that. But I'm telling you what, right now as I stand before you, what I'd like to do. I'd like to be faithful. I'd like to be faithful until the Lord calls me home. Do whatever I can do for the Lord. I think uh, many of you would too. And, and I'm going to tell you something. The church owes some people. It owes people who had never had the limelight, never had the, never had the title. They weren't the person getting, uh, getting all the accolades and that sort of thing. But what they did was they remained faithful for the Lord. And that is very, very important. It happened again this year. It happens every year. But it's still, I always look at it. And, and I'll even say something to them. They kind of laugh with me. Uh, of course... Uh, Brother Bell's uh, school came down here. We had a good number from Anchor Baptist School here. And uh, they stayed at the conference and, and they ate dinner. I appreciate you all letting them get in line first so they can eat. They used to try to stop at McDonald's or something on the way back. And I told them, I said, man, our people are cooking. Mrs. France always says, we'd like to feed them and you know, we're ready for them. So just have them stay and eat. And uh, they're going out the door. I always go out there and get on the bus with them, thank them for coming and such. It's just something to do. And I was out there, and they're going out the door, and I'm saying something to the kids. And they're going by. The teachers are going by. The students are all going by. Thank you for that meal, Brother Manny. Thank you for that meal. Every one of them going by and thank me for the meal. Little kids going, thank you so much for that meal. And they left notes. Thank you for that How many know I didn't do a cotton-picking thing to make that meal happen? Other than pray and sweat and hope the money got there. But as far as the, uh, I wasn't back here. 
How many know I'm pretty well expelled from the kitchen when it comes out? Amen. My wife, my first hand up was my wife. Amen. So she knows about this. So I didn't do that. I wonder, Miss Jody, you've worked the kitchen a lot of years. I'm not trying to point you out above others, but I know you've worked there a lot of years. And you're in early on Tuesday. Have you ever had one of the school kids come up and thank you for the meal? Do they? They catch the kitchen staff too? Well, praise God. They might have good sense after all. Good deal. My concern would be if folks weren't thanked for that type of thing. Weren't thanked. I've known a few preachers that were, uh, wherever they go, they tend to draw large crowds and they they will have a, they had a habit of making sure they went by the nursery to visit the nursery workers, thank them for what they did. Uh, go by and find people who were making the service happen. People who would have liked to have been in that big service, but they realized, you let all those kids loose in a service in here? They're a lot cuter than we preachers are, and they got more lung power than we do. Amen? It's kind of like little Samuel last night at the dinner. Yeah, you'd hear from that end of the table. Every now and then you'd hear down there, Wah! and it'd be all right, you know? I think it could have been bread. I'm not sure which it was. But it was like, Wah! And then he, he got like that. Yeah, I think mom just couldn't get food to him fast enough there. She's trying to, he's nibbling on some stuff. But here, here's the deal with that. I said, uh, I said that kid's like a, uh, he's like a weather front. Said, and Red's like, what do you mean? I said, intermittent squalls, amen? <laughs> if you bring all those intermittent squalls in here, we wouldn't have church for sure. All I'm trying to tell you is our church owes. We need to owe those who prayed and those who gave. I, I buried some that were here when I came as a pastor. And at the time of the burial, I was no longer their pastor. But they had asked if I could preach a funeral so I could preach the gospel. Because friendships had been uh, maintained and kept, even though for whatever different reason, they, choose, they chose not to be a part of congregation. But I'll tell you something, the church owes some people who have put their life into making the church what it is. We're selfish and a very self-centered generation if we look at it and say, look at, look at, look at all this. No, this is, because, this is because some people have come together and done something for the Lord. And with that in mind, I want you to go back to verses 3 and 4 and I'm going to give you a quick thought here. Verse 3 and 4, I told you we'd come back and touch base with these folks. He said, greet... Priscilla and Aquila. Now, how many of you are familiar with those names? You, you, those, that's something you've heard. You've read that, haven't you? They show up in the Bible. Especially over in Acts 18 and such. Greek Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Look what they did. Who have for my life, that's the Apostle Paul who was the one pinning that, who have for my life laid down their own necks. In other words, there were times when they risked their own life for Him. Unto whom not only I give thanks but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Um, of the helpers and workers in the Lord, I'm drawing attention to this. I want you to understand something. There's a lot we can learn from their lives that will instruct us on being thankful for those who the church owes. There's some things about Aquila and Priscilla that just show us things that make for good servants and people who can be helpful to the work of the Lord. First of all, we the church owe those who serve God as a team. We owe those who serve God as a team. Begin to think about this remarkable couple who all the churches, Joel said, all the churches of the Gentiles, that's a lot of churches over a lot of countries. They all owed something to these people. And 
when we start thinking about them, you always see these two in the Bible show up as a couple. Always. You don't, you don't find them one or the, it, it's always both. Aquila and Priscilla. It almost sounds like a, you know, a, a one name because they're always together. Thank God for those who serve as a team. Um, a true team. And they served in the best spirit of verses such as this. Listen to this verse from Ecclesiastes 4. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. And we see when two people come together, in this case a married couple, when they come together for a common purpose of serving God, the two together will do more and have better effect than just than each individually will do. And we learn that through their life. Ecclesiastes 4.9 contains this thought in this prayer. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us, or excuse me, Psalm 24. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Psalm 24 verse 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. In other words, let's come together for the purpose of, of, of lifting up God. God wants that. You know, uh, serving God can be family time serving God. It's pretty amazing. Uh, there were some people we knew in Bible college, last name of Cowlings. And uh, their whole family grew up. They were a family that very much loved working bus ministry. And their family grew up. Their family was, was uh, their time. They, they worked the route together. They worked with the people together. They got to know things. They did things together. It's a great opportunity to serve, to visit, to do these things. And so we can thank people who serve God as a team. Sometimes it's brothers. Sometimes it's siblings, a group of siblings. Sometimes it's a husband wife. Sometimes a family together. Maybe it's two people and they're not even related, but they, they have a common interest through the church and a common thing they're trying to do to serve the church. And you think of them as a team. They're always involved in getting, getting something done. Thank God for it. Thank God for it. I'm glad for it. Secondly, we, we the church owe those who have seen some trouble but don't let that trouble overwhelm them. When I say overwhelm here, I'm not talking about the emotion that can come. The Bible deals a lot with when we feel overwhelmed. But I'm talking about being overwhelmed to the point of being knocked out of uh, the path we're supposed to be on or being stopped in what we're supposed to be doing. The church owes those who have seen some trouble, but don't let the trouble overwhelm them. Uh, we owe a lot to it, actually. Aquila and Priscilla are first introduced, introduced to us in Acts chapter 18. Look there, if you will, please. And there's a few passages in Acts 18, so don't lose your place in Romans, but go back to Acts 18. So I said, first, the church owes those who work as a team. I've been amazed down over the years being around churches how many churches have been affected by good by a group of young people who just decided to serve the Lord. Instead of uh, wasting their youth in different things or just showing up to church and that's all they do is just show up. But actually got involved, made things happen. What a difference they made in churches. And it doesn't have to be everybody involved. But some get together and say, you know what, we're going to get behind this thing. We're going to make it happen. There's a life and an energy they bring into it that's important. Acts chapter 18, look at verse 1 talking about some people who have faced some opposition but have not let it overwhelm them. It says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Now, listen to me a moment. He has just finished preaching at Mars Hill in Corinth, or, or in Athens, rather. He had spoken to the philosophers there, and some people scoffed. Some people said, We'll hear you again. Others believed. Now he comes to a city called Corinth. 
Of course, you have First and Second Corinthians are written to the churches which would start there in this town. But they were churches that were coming out of some rough, rough background. Well, Corinth was a worldly, worldly place. By the way, I was just reading, I've been enjoying a little book uh, by a fellow made, by the name of Monroe Parker, a preacher uh, of uh, God used greatly and, and uh, starting in the 30s and, and uh, working his way, way up through there. The book's entitled My First 77 Years. It's a well-written book. And he talked about holding evangelistic meetings and he was in a, in a little um, town called Beaverville, not beaver like the animal, B-I-E-V-E-R, Beaverville, Kentucky. Who knows? I may have just misspelled it. It's Kentucky. but um, <laughs> Beaverville, Kentucky. And he said when he got there, he says it was a strange place. He said there was a strange atmosphere about it. And he went to the pastor and, and uh, his wife's house to have dinner for the first night of the meeting. And uh, Brother Parker was newly married, had his young wife with him. She didn't go to all the meetings he traveled. And this was the days of protracted meetings. They'd have revivals last two, three, four weeks at a time, sometimes six or seven weeks, and people come every night to those. And uh, days before television, days before people were all scattered in so many ways. But he went in there and he said, uh, the, uh, they were having prayer and said a couple other people came from the church and they very seriously said, let's please pray. Let's ask God that Brother Parker won't get killed while he's here. And then they started telling me about this preacher had been shot. And that preacher had been shot. And this evangelist had been shot on the church steps. Seems those old boys up in that holler didn't care for preachers too much. He went in and he said, well, it was certainly concerning. He said the first night he was preaching, it's kind of understated. That's the way he writes too. It was concerning. <laughs> I reckon First night he was preaching, he said, as he put it, there were some ruffians stood outside and threw bricks and rocks at the church the entire time and accosted anybody that went outside. I'll tell you about that. I'll get Brother Jenkins to tell you about this stuff sometime. His dad uh, started churches back in the hollers of Kentucky. That's where Brother Jenkins was raised and knows about some of this stuff. He can get some testimony of Brother Fugit and his dad and guys coming in with rifles or shooting, taking him out of the service. There's some rough areas. You get down around Hazard in some of these areas. Beaverville here, wherever it is. And uh, anyway, he talked about God getting involved. And, and he said before they left, that Baptist church had 500 people in it. God broke through and all that kind of stuff. Something, in it? But I'll tell you what, these folks, uh, they'd been through some time. Corinth was a rough town. I don't know if they tried to kill people. It was a rough town. It was a worldly place. It'd be the kind of place you'd go into and you said, we're going to start a church here. People would say, here? Are you serious? Yeah, you know? Are you kidding me? These people are so worldly and filthy, and they're man. Do you know? Do you know how many temples there are to false gods? Do you know that some of these temples involve prostitution and everything else? It's as filthy morally as any city you could go into. But that's where the gospel went, and churches were started. But when he got there, he met some people. He met Aquila and Priscilla. Let's pick it up in verse two and see what happened. He comes to Corinth from Athens, and he says, "And found a certain Jew named Aquila." Born in Pontus, lately come from Italy. So he's born in Pontus. He had lived in Italy with his wife Priscilla. Look why they were in Corinth. Look why Aquila and Priscilla were in Corinth. Because that Claudius, Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. They got kicked out of Rome. 
all the Jews were expelled out of Rome. Jewish people have always been a persecuted people. And this Roman leader had said none of them were allowed to stay in Rome. They had been kicked out of their home, their business ties and everything. You're a Jew. We don't want you in our society. And they were run out. And because of that, they're in Corinth. And they were originally from, from Italy. So they've had to move. They've had to face some things. They've suffered persecution because of their beliefs as Jewish people, because of their ethnicity. They had suffered some things. And Paul meets them. And you know what? They had not given up. The church owes something to people who have, been, who have seen some trouble but haven't let it overwhelm them. Aquila and Priscilla were people who had trouble from the beginning. Their background had been a troubled background. It's pretty amazing stuff. I, had to, I was listening to an old preacher who was talking about the day he got saved and he was kind of feeling sorry for himself the day he got saved because when he got saved, his, unfortunately his, his marriage was all busted up and things going on. And he said after the service, people would, you know, said, man, I'm glad you got saved and all this. He said, but he said they left and he was walking. He didn't even have a car. He was in a bad situation. And he's like, oh, all these Christian people just driving by me and driving by me. Nobody asked if I want to ride. He started feeling sorry for himself. Finally, a man with his uh, uh, wife and a couple kids stopped and said, hey, do you need to ride? And he said, sure. He said he got in. The way he's described it, he said he went to the service that night with a yellow suit jacket on and five cigars sticking out of the pocket. So I went and got saved. Rough old boy. And... Uh, he said he got in. He says, the guy's going along. guy looked at him and says, didn't I see you accepted the Lord tonight? He said, I did. And he said he was sitting there thinking, ah. he says, this guy's got it made. He's got a nice car, good family, and here I am. I don't have anything. And the guy said, well, you'll never regret trusting Christ. And the fellow the preacher said, yeah, I thought, yeah, that's easy you say. And man turned out to own the business and you got this. And he goes, ah. and he says, I reckon I won't. And went on conversation. And finally, he said, the guy says, you know, he said, my mom and dad both died when I was young. I was raised in Norfolk and never did have any family. Getting saved is the best thing that's ever happened to me. The preacher said, I said to myself, why don't you just shut up and get happy? Amen. Yeah. A man been through some stuff and just decided to keep on serving the Lord. Amen. Church owes something to people like that. The work of Christ doesn't go forward on crybabies. There needs to be some guts about it. Some determination. It's called a battlefield. And it's real. When you decide to sell out for God, you're going to get slapped in the face by the devil and by some well-meaning brethren. You better understand that's part of, the, part of the journey. And so, we owe a debt of gratitude towards them. Thirdly, we the church owe those who use their skills and their business for the Lord. Look back here in, in Acts 18 again. Talking about Priscilla and Aquila. It says there, and uh, let's see, look in the, uh, uh, look in verse, verse 3. And because he, Paul, was of the same craft, he abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. Did you see that? And uh, what ends up happening there. We need to use the. Uh, we need to rise with gratitude for those who use their skills and their businesses for the Lord. These people were tent makers. 
Paul worked with them for a season. This was his trade for a season. And during that time, the emphasis of Paul's ministry shifted to the Gentiles. You remember Paul said in Romans 16, he said, I, not only do I own things, but all the churches of the Gentiles do. Do you know why it was here? Look down in verse 6. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he was preaching in the congregations, he was preaching unto the Jews, Jesus Christ, in verse 5. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he, Paul, shook his raiment, and said unto them, Your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean from henceforth, from this point forward, I'll go to the Gentiles. He had went to the synagogues everywhere he went. But finally he says, Your blood's on your head. It's your Messiah. Your scripture told you about him and you've rejected it. I'm going to go to the Gentiles because they want to hear the truth. And he, of course he was the apostle to the Gentiles. And you have the major shift that had been started other times happens right here as he goes over. And his ministry does not exclude going to synagogues, but its primary emphasis becomes the Gentiles at that point. Do you know what was backing him part of the time for him to reach into these cities and these towns, whether it be Thessalonica, whether it be Ephesus, whether it be Galatia, whether it be uh, the, the Macedonian churches such as Philippi, the Corinthian churches, all these different churches which were started. Uh, do you know that... Back of it all, he's well, the Apostle Paul, yeah, but there were two people named Aquila and Priscilla who were tent makers who were instrumental in helping him keep going and do what he needed to do for the Lord. Aquila and Priscilla were not apostles. Aquila and Priscilla were not the preachers. They were the ones who grew in the Lord and loved the Lord and helped with their skills and with their businesses to get the work done. Thank God for it. Everything I read, every great revival period, every great work that's ever been built, there have been people who have capacities within the business world who get behind the work of God and they say, if this goes forward, as long as this stays straight and gets the gospel out right, I'm going to put my resources behind it. God has gifted some people with capacities in business. And that gifting is not just for you to have nice things. It is for the work of the Lord to go forward. We need to understand that and be thankful. And we ought to be grateful for those who have been thusly involved in the work. Fourthly, we the church owe those who are all in for the gospel. Look at this. Look what happens with Aquila and Priscilla. They'd already had enough trouble along the way. But look, at, look what happens to him back in Acts 18, which I shut, which I shouldn't have. Let me put one of these things here. I don't lose it. Hold on. Rearranging my Bible. Look in Acts chapter 18. And... Uh, we owe something to people who are all in. They didn't go by halfway measures. Look in verse 18, Acts 18, verse 18. And Paul, after this, tarried there yet a good while. And then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence unto Syria. And with him, look who goes with him on the strip, Priscilla and Aquila. Having shorn his head in century, for he had a vow, and he came to Ephesus. So they go with Paul to these different places. They get to Ephesus. And he left them. Now watch what happens with this. The them there are Aquila and Priscilla. So Paul gets to Ephesus and he leaves Aquila and Priscilla at Ephesus. Because apparently he believes they'll be useful at that place. You got to understand, they're starting churches and going along. He came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And then he went in and preached to the people there. But I want you to understand this. They went and they were all in for the Gospel. They didn't just say, oh, we'll help you. They put their lives into it. 
It said in Romans 16, they'd risk their own necks for Him. It says here in Acts 18, they moved location and went to where the need was. Um, we recently had somebody visit with us in our service and has a business, pretty good business, and involves a lot of it in missions. And he himself probably takes three, four, five missions trips a year to try to go help, gets on the field and helps people uh, trying to get, uh, get uh, churches started. What is this? Uh, this is being all in. You don't have to have a business. You don't have to have a great deal uh, of money or something like that. We just need people who are all in where they're at. By the way, someone been slipping something in your ear, running down your church and your preacher? I don't know why I'm saying that, but I'm saying it. Well, maybe you ought to realize that's dangerous. You question the integrity of those you've had some confidence in over the years because somebody's sliding in little negative remarks? Maybe you ought to be careful what poison where it is. That's for whoever that's for, so I didn't know that was coming, but there it is. Um, we need to we owe those who are all in for the gospel. Why? Because those who have given themselves selflessly have provided uh, for us to have the opportunity to go ahead. You know, I've never suffered real persecution for the, for the gospel or for the cross. I've been cussed a few times. I've been yelled at quite a few times. Um, I've had people, you know, get upset. I've never even had somebody punch me, and I'm not looking for a martyr's crown, so don't, don't fulfill that expectation. I'm, service okay. I'm, just, I'm good. I'm good with that status. Um, <laughs> And I'll probably turn the other cheek, but I cannot guarantee you what my kinfolk will do to you, okay? Um, but I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not hazarded my life for the gospel. I've not made a choice that owning this Bible, you know, could cost me blood. I'm not. But some have. And you know I have a Bible this morning because some have done that sort of thing. And I have the gospel came to me because some people have done that sort of thing. I owe them something. At the very least, I owe to be respectful and, uh, and grateful for what I have and not let it go to waste. I mean, that just makes sense. They're all in for the gospel. Looking Fifthly then, we the church owe those who grow to the point of being able to help others. I love this. Now, I told you to pay special attention to the fact they stayed at Ephesus. Look in verse 24 of chapter 18 again. I'm in Acts 18. And a certain Jew named what, church? Apollos. Got your Bible open there? Verse 24. A certain Jew named what? Apollos. Born at Alexandria. Look at, look at him. He's an eloquent man. What does that mean? He's very good at speaking. He can really keep your attention. Doesn't mean he had to be flowery or such. He was very good with words. He could, he could keep your attention. He knew how to put something out there. And he was mighty in the Scriptures. Most of what they had, you know, at this point, they had the Old Testament, and he knew them. He was good at it, and he was a good speaker. Those are both good things. He came to Ephesus. So you have this fellow, Apollos, shows up in Ephesus. Now remember, Paul's went on, but there are two people left in Ephesus that had been training underneath Paul. In fact, you read earlier, you find out Paul had continued there for 18 months with, uh, with dealing with these folks. Look what happens. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord. Okay, he was a Jew. And he had learned about Jesus, the Messiah, but only to a certain point. Because, you know, you didn't have the completed, everybody have the New Testament and all that yet. 
he was instructed in the way of the Lord, being fervent in spirit, so he's really excited about what he did. He spake and taught diligently. So he took as far as he understood and taught that. I love that about it. Knowing only the baptism of John. That's as far as his knowledge went. So he would take people that far. That's all he knew. He'd barely been baptized with John's baptism, which was the baptism of repentance. And then he preached what he knew, but he was only so far along. But man, he was going at it. He was using what he knew. God always likes that. Look in verse 26. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, so they hear this fellow speak. It's message, you got to hear this guy. And they go and hear him. And he's preaching along. Boy, one, John came preaching in the wilderness. Saying, repent, for Messiah's at hand. He stopped. Well, what's point two? I don't know point two. <laughs> I know point one. But I know point one, so he preached that, right? When they heard him, they took him unto them, look at this word, and expounded unto him. That's to put in order and to lay the thing out. Expound means to bring out and make clear. And expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Who are these people who are taking this preacher mighty in word and who's already being used with what he knows? Who are these people that take him and say, man, are you going to be excited about finding out what the rest of this is? Let us tell you about the one John was pointing towards. Let us tell you about what's happened. You know who they were? They were tent makers. Jewish tent makers who had been run out of Rome because of a ruler's prejudice, who had met a fellow by the name of Paul, who had learned from him, and who had traveled with him, who had uprooted again and went to Ephesus, and I'm sure they would have liked to keep traveling with Paul, but Paul says, they need you here. And lo and behold, while they're there, this fellow comes along named Apollos, and these two people, Aquila and Priscilla, working as a team, again, Expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Look at verse 27. And when he was disposed to pass into Achaia, the brethren wrote, exhorting the apostles to receive him, who when he was come, watch them, helped them much, which had believed through grace. For he mightily convinced the Jews, and that publicly, showing by the Scriptures that Jesus was Christ. So Apollos goes out and there are revivals and there's a great number of people reached. He said, man, that's something else. And you know, part of the Corinthian church, he goes back and affects the Corinthian church. A part of the carnality of the Corinthian church was this. One would say, I'm of Paul and another one, I'm of Apollos. You know, they ended up factionalizing over which neither Paul nor Apollos wanted them to do. But it's people's nature. And uh, sometimes people can't see beyond the the, the vessel that God's using to the God that's using the vessel, which people need to see that. And so what happens is, he goes back here, and before he does it, all this is going on, and people say, boy, Apollos, man, you want to hear this guy preach. Woo, dogs. He, I tell you, he makes it clear. And he convinces it. I mean, he opens up that Old Testament, and you know what's going on, but he's good to hear. There's nobody saying, boy, what about those tent makers? Bob, what about old Aquila and Priscilla? You don't find them holding big revivals, but you know what they did? They helped somebody grow in the Lord. And then they were helping the church. The church owes a debt of gratitude 
to those who grow to the point of being able to help others grow. You don't stop. You don't view your salvation as some kind of fire insurance, but you keep growing in the Lord to a point where you can be a help and a blessing to others and help them grow for the Lord and go forward. A lot of different things I could give you with it. Um, but lastly, let me say, we the church owe those who are close even when distant. Let's look at a couple of verses with this. Look in 1 Corinthians 16. Very quickly there. 1 Corinthians 16. We owe a debt of gratitude and we owe those who are close though distant. Ministry progresses. Time goes on. 1 Corinthians 16. Verse 19. Now the gospel's gone into Asia. Remember when Paul first wanted to go into Asia, he wasn't allowed. He had to go round about and then come back in. He first wanted to go. He was ahead of where the Holy Spirit wanted him at the time. He'd need to be in Macedonia first, but now he's been to Asia. Churches have been started. The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. There's a great geographical distance between them now, but they're still close even though they're distant. And Paul remembers that closeness and is helped by it and is encouraged by them in every way even though they're not right there with him. And you know, you can't pick up a telephone and talk to somebody. You can't text somebody. You can't FaceTime somebody. You had no you know, contact. It could take months. But yet they were close in the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 4 talks about this too. 2 Timothy chapter 4. It says here in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy in verse 9, it's what it says. It says, is not what I thought it said. Hold on. 419. I said 9. 419. This is getting more towards the end of Paul's ministry and he makes a statement. He says, verse 19, Salute Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. That Onesiphorus ends up being, I'm not going to turn it to you, but in 2 Timothy 1, it says that Onesiphorus had bestowed much labor on Paul and had been a help and encouragement to him in the ministry. So he had helped with Paul's ministry to keep going. And here, even though they're later in, many years later, towards the end of Paul's ministry, before he'd be martyred for Christ, here he is saying, Greek, Aquila, and Priscilla, no matter where he went, he had in his heart these people who had been so precious to him at the beginning of the ministry and had helped him in so many ways. They were always close even though they were distant. We see it. We, we know it. We get to be a part of it. Um, there are people that we see and uh, thank God for it. And you know, uh, you don't understand it. Uh, I tell you this. Our guest preachers that come here on a regular basis, they'll come in and... Um, and just remember, see if I can get through the next thing I want to tell you, but um, they'll come in and they'll... Uh, They'll, they'll say to him, hey, so-and-so, hey, that one couple that's over there, hey, that one, and they may not remember the name because they may go to a lot of churches. That one that's there? Boy, is that one there? Brother Cox was remembering. Hey, I remember first time I was there. He said that me and Brother Jerry went soul winning together. I remember that. Is that brother still in your church? Oh, yeah. He's doing fine. Crazy as ever. Yeah. <laughs> Did, uh, boy, you remember so- hey, so-and-so? See, you don't think that. These people travel. Uh, you know what it is? Those are bright spots. Don't you know those are people? They get tired. They get disappointed like you do. They get as fed up with church nonsense as you do. But they've just decided to go on for the Lord. It sure would be a big gaping hole if they were missing. 
And you know, you think, well, God just strengthens them. He strengthens them through His people. And you'd be a part of that. Talked to Mrs. Evans yesterday. Called her. Tried to stay in touch. I wanted to talk to Doc. In fact, I looked up Hawkeye football to find out what their schedule had been. He loves Iowa football. He'll remember that from time to time. So five and two record before yesterday. I don't know how they did against Wisconsin, but anyway, I had to. I had to get. I had to get up to up to use a good good term good church term here. I had to get up to snuff on that one. Um, see what was going on. But he was taking a nap. I didn't get to talk to him. Mrs. Evans was good. We got to talk. She said, Brother Phil, she says, yours, yours is the only church he remembers preaching at. She said, he talks about it. She said, he got his suitcase, was trying to head for Ohio. She said, well, he must think a lot of you. You don't get it. You've come here for how many years? They got, they know you all. They took them in like family. You mean something to them. Amen. You've been a help to them over the years. Right. Strength. You don't need a title for that. You don't need a position for that. You need the love of God for that. Amen. And uh, our church and all churches, um, it's, uh, there's a lot of good that can be done. And there's some people the church owes. And it, you know who it is? It's everyday people, normal people serving a great God. And uh, I don't know about you, I like being a part of that. A lot of other stuff there, but we're done. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your people. And thank you for the truth and your mercy. Help us to be a part of helping others keep on keeping on. And uh, may we be useful to your church. It's certainly valuable to you. It's your bride. You love it. And we're part of it. And we want to help. Help us to do that, please. Amen. Stand together, please. We have a song invitation. You need something to bring before the Lord this morning. And uh, you attend these services, but are you part of His church? Do you know Christ as your Savior? That's how you get in. You're baptized by one spirit into one body. How about you? Are you committed? God will bless that. You'll get tired sometimes. You'll get a little, you know, you can get a little confused sometimes. God will bless you if you stay steady.